Uh, what makes the study of Revelation so difficult? There's lots of figurative things from the Old Testament that mm -hmm. we're just not familiar with. Uh, it's also a book written evidently to keep current people of that time somewhat from knowing what he's talking about by alluding to things that they don't have in their common background. Okay, uh, so we have, we have the familiarity problem uh, with, with the imagery and the language that's used. Uh, and then number two, you have this uh, idea of some amount of obscurity to, to the, the culture, uh, the, the audience that's there. When you consider that Rome is, at this point, considering Christians to be a problem, uh, you know, outright saying, it's okay because God's going to eventually get rid of Rome and all this would not be a good... <laughs> you you want to be careful how you say that. Uh, you know, to say, well, we're not enemies. We're trying to practice Christianity, all this stuff. Uh, they are enemies uh, in a certain kind of way, not the way, way they were portrayed, uh, but you might want to obscure how you're going to write all of that uh, so that it doesn't appear that Christians are some terrorist group because that's not what they're trying to do. Okay, what else? What makes Revelation hard? Difficult? Deciphering the difference. It, it, it's figurative. Is there the reality? What is the difference? You know, where do you know the difference between the two? Uh, understanding how to be able to... to uh, break that into be. I mean, it, sometimes you feel like you go from one to the other very quickly, and where does one end? Where does the other begin? Yeah, even the uh, understanding where the the switch is. Revelation is very heavily apocalyptic, and there are other Old Testament writings that are that way too. Uh, but even those books have normal stuff, you know, narrative kind of literature or. Uh, dealing with some part of history and also being apocalyptic. Jesus has some uh, conversations, Matthew 24 uh, is one of them, where he uses apocalyptic language, but Jesus is not always doing that. Uh, and so there's, there's that, okay, where, wh which of this is symbol, which of this is real? Or, or present and all that. Even, even the letter to the, the letters to the seven churches, there's question about that of, it, I assume it's directly to these churches for this reason, but also the use of seven, which just comes up over and over again in Revelation, might be a, uh, it might bring some kind of symbolism with it to some degree. And even in the letters, there are symbols. And so we, we get into that sort of trouble. Uh, thankfully, uh, we'll navigate that perfectly here, and we'll remove all doubt about those. Uh, we won't do that. Uh, <laughs> I may leave you with more questions than answers, but that's that's fun. So, okay, what else? It's writing about the end times, which we have no physical experience with. We don't live in a non-material universe, and it's about the end times, so that will be the universe. Yeah, it's dealing, it's dealing with stuff that's hard for us to grasp. Uh, I, I think, and I, I don't know if this is how you meant this, but it's what came to my mind when you said that. Of, uh, it's, it's dealing with, with stuff that we can't necessarily grab a hold of, uh, maybe have some kind of a context for, but not a complete sort of idea of. 
which means uh, there is going to be some things that we just have to put in the category of this is kind of mystery to me and we don't like that we want to uh, i need to have my answers so i can draw my black and whites here uh, that's not always how that works unfortunately or fortunately it's it's good to have some things left up to i don't quite understand it but god certainly does uh, and i trust him that's a good thing sometimes uh, okay what else any other things just that it there's so many the interpretations. Final picture. Yeah. It is what's final. Uh, yes. Heaven is the end times, the end of everything, and it's so very different from what we experience. Yeah, the, the description of the end that we're given here, uh, I mean, uh, there's a reason we're calling it the end, and it's not so that I can just be done today, you know. Uh, it's, uh, this, it's depicting this not just future, but this is how it plays out, uh, which ultimate eternal yes yeah it's going to tie up a lot of these things that have been presented to us you know as you start from genesis onward uh, tie all those things see the ultimate conclusion uh within jesus and what he's done uh, but also what was said uh interpretations there's so many interpretations of these things uh this is where you get uh for the most part uh rapture uh doctrine theology all that sort of stuff which I don't believe in. Um, we can talk about that, perhaps. Uh, well, we probably will, now that I've said it, so that's on me. Uh, but we can talk about that, but that's, that's where this ultimately comes from. You also get uh, so much about any, anything that ever happens within our present day, and it's not just us, it's been every, it's like generation after generation. Must be talking about this nation, or this event, and this, you know, look, it's, it's this president, and the plague is COVID, and we're just finding all the ways to, and if you take somebody's name, and I did this, I did this two years ago, where I made my name, we found a way to get it to 666. Uh, so, we, you can do that, and that's what a lot of people will spend their time doing is, you know, our preacher is the beast, uh, because his name gets to... Uh, gets to the number there for the mark of the beast and all that. People do that. Okay, you can do that with anything. I've seen it done with Trump and Biden and Obama and <laughs> Clinton. And you can just do that. You can find a way to make that happen. Uh, Revelation was not written to Americans, though. Uh, it was written to it was written to Christians during the time of the Roman Empire. And yes, it deals with future things, but it also deals uh, very heavily with present situation, uh, and it employs past imagery to, to bring all of that stuff about. So, all right, let's talk about the method here, because that's important. I, I want to set the, I want to set the expectation for what we're going to try to do here uh, within this class. Part of the reason I'm providing stuff that is hole punched, and then we'll bring folders next week, because I forgot. I can drive now, I can go to the store, I can't carry anything, so if I want, I can walk around the store, otherwise I have to order it and have somebody bring it to me. So I forgot folders, uh, but those will be coming, and part of the reason for that is uh, I want you to keep these things, uh, because <laughs> Revelation is either one of those books that you're very sure about what you think about, at least most of it, 
because it's such a challenging book and you've gone, I'm going to take on the challenge and I know that it doesn't mean this or that thing or this thing here and I'm going to arrive at this conclusion, which is fine. Uh, what that does mean, though, is it might be hard if I were just to walk through it and say, here's what I think about this book. It might be hard to convince. The other side of that, you have the Revelation's a hard book. I'm not touching it. You know, I just know that it has a bunch of symbols and it's confusing to me and I'm never going to study this thing. Uh, so that's, those are the, that makes up our audience for the most part within, within this room here, which is, which is great. Uh, so I want to do something that uh, hopefully helps both of those. And I want you to keep these things uh, so that you can go back to it over and over again. Because the, hope, the hopefulness of this class is that it will be more like a guidebook on the illustrations, the imagery, the language, and that sort of stuff, and less, a, uh, less an answer key of me walking through and going, well, there's five interpretations, and this is where Jack feels like the best interpretation lies. It's not that we won't do some of that. Uh, we'll do a little bit of that today uh, about the writing, uh, the, the date of the writing. But that's not the goal. Let's talk about the method. Uh, do the nature of revelation, the method of study, will be textual, uh, but not chapter by chapter. Uh, as apocalyptic literature, which just means hidden, um, Revelation's full of symbols and illustrations. These symbols and illustrations are incredibly difficult to decipher unless, and this doesn't make them easy, but they become a lot easier uh, when we understand the cultural context of the writing, what's, what's happening to the Christians at the present time when this is being written down and all of that, which is why we're going to talk about the date a little bit, because that somewhat changes the context, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, and two, understand the Old Testament context of the writing. Uh, John, as an author, draws from a number of places, uh, including but not limited to okay? Genesis, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Zephaniah. Uh, the first four of those, very huge books. Okay, so John is pulling from not just some place, you know, uh, within Matthew, Matthew will say, this was to fulfill the scripture, and he'll give us a, a little quote, and go, oh, okay, that's that passage out of Micah, and that's what it was ultimately talking about in Jesus, that's awesome. Yeah, John is just going to not say, hey, I'm pulling this out of Isaiah, he's just going to quote a chunk, and we go, oh, that's, that's out of Daniel, that's out of Daniel in this chapter. What in the world's going on in that chapter? We have to have that kind of context if we're going to understand. Uh, he also uh, seems to pull from some of the extra biblical literature, which shouldn't that doesn't make it inspired. If you listen, if you're in the spiritual realm class, you've already heard this. Uh, this does not make it inspired. There are quotes from non-inspired writings all over the place. Paul quotes poets and others, things like that. Uh, but they were aware of those things. They didn't just sit and read their Bible scrolls exclusively all the time. They read a little bit of fiction, too, uh, and, and employed those ideas from the culture uh, that they were in and brought all that in. Stuff like Enoch is how Jews thought the world worked, and so they wrote that stuff down, and turns out that they, they didn't always miss. Sometimes they hit on what they were thinking about the world and how God worked and all of that. Uh, and so John will bring some of that to the table too, which is what some, which is a text text that most of us are not familiar with. That includes myself, somewhat familiar with those things, uh, trying to become more familiar with those things. John's very familiar with that stuff because the Jews studied those books. 
uh, that we do not because they're not Bible, which I don't think that's a problem, uh, but we do need to understand that they're used. This being the case, uh, the planned method of study is to spend time looking specifically at words, phrases, illustrations, uh, and how these things are used within the Old Testament and why John brings them into his writing. If you flip page one over. So I have 13 weeks. Some of these are going to be longer than a week. Like they're going to take a couple classes probably uh, to look at. Hopefully no more than two for any one of these. Uh, but some of the stuff we'll look at, like the idea of conquerors is very prominent throughout the book. Uh, the idea of all the tribes and nations of the world being gathered together, the throne room of God, uh, the idea of testimony. Testimony is important because that's a big word for John's gospel too. Uh, and one of the one of the things that uh, you do whenever you study is if you're studying a book, if that writer has other books, as you branch outward, you go to their books first, and then you would go to the rest of the New or Old Testament, wherever you're at, and then the Bible as a whole. Start small, and then or start specifically, and then work your way outward. Uh, and John is still the author of this, and he's going to use language that he's used in some of his prior writings. Testimony is one of those. Uh, the phrase new heavens, new earth shows up in Revelation, and it's new-ish to New Testament readers as they're going through. Peter uses it in Second Peter, but that's still right at the end of our Bibles here. Uh, but it's not Peter and John's idea. Isaiah wrote it first uh, a couple times. So uh, that phrase is, is one that's existed for some time here. Uh, the idea of seal, and that'll be, we'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, descriptions of God or Christ, Spirit, uh, as well, though the descriptions of Jesus are really the, the focal point. Uh, and the number seven. I don't want to get too caught up in number stuff. Though, the plan for the Thursday class in the spring, or next year, February and March, which is kind of spring, but not. Uh, we're going to talk about numbers. Not the book, the num numbers. <laughs> Numerology and those things. Because it does matter, but that's another place where people go nuts, too. Which is fine. We might go nuts as well, but... Uh, we'll try to do it in a controlled environment. Uh, understanding how these concepts fit into their Old Testament texts helps us to understand how they fit into the cultural context of John's writing, which in turn helps us to be able to properly apply revelation to our present Christian lives. Okay, now on to something that's going to sound really nitpicky. It's revelation, not revelations. That matters. I'll tell you why. It doesn't matter because it's, you know, one of those things that I hear. We, you brought a pet peeve. It's like the last class, right? Uh, it is. <laughs> it is a pet peeve. But that's not why it matters. Uh, this uh, We do the same thing with Psalms as well. Book of Psalms, but it's Psalm whatever, not Psalms whatever. Uh, that is nitpicky. That's me just being a jerk this morning. Uh, I'm not intending to do that. I hope we don't read from Psalms today. Uh, or if you do... I hope you're in here and, and heard that. Uh, but the reason why it's important to understand Revelation, not Revelations, is that this is not a series of visions that John has, and we have to do this work of piecing all those things together. It is a singular, coherent, connected vision. He is given this vision that is lengthy and so much stuff going on, but it's all connected. Uh, these ideas are all connected together. We do have some uh, indication of that within the book. 
starts with this word, uh, the word near, uh, chapter one, verse three, we'll, we'll read a little bit here. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Uh, the only other time that that word is used is right at the final part of the book, 2210. He said to me, do not seal up the words of, this prof of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. That's the only other time the word is used within the book. Uh, that gives us kind of a, a bookend sort of situation of we're dealing with something that is near. We'll talk about what that word means. Because uh, the idea of near or quickly or soon is used a lot. But near only shows up twice. Uh, and this tiny word gives us a little bit of a bookend that says, here's the stuff that's happening in between. The, the prophecy in between uh, that's coming, or is, uh, whose time is near here in all this. Uh, you also have the word prophecy mentioned a couple times at the end of the book as well here at the beginning. Those are not the only places, but in 1-3 we read it, chapter 22 it's mentioned. Uh, this is not prophecies, it's the prophecy within this book, you know, this, this thing that takes place. It is a singular word, uh, not a plural. Uh, and then, and you have some blank parentheses, and I corrected them and then didn't print that out. So let me see if I remember. Here we go. Uh, a large chunk of the book depicts events of the seven seals, then seven trumpets, then seven bowls. All this comes on the heels of letters to the seven churches. So you got sevens all over the place. Uh, but the seven bowls come out of the seventh trumpet. There's your first uh, parentheses. And I meant to put, I believe it's chapter eight, one and two, where you read that uh, out of this, uh, after the seventh, seventh trumpet, here come these seven bowls. And it just very clearly says this bleeds into that. Uh, and then seven trumpets result from the seventh seal. So we have chapter eight, one and two, uh, and then this is, I want to say chapter 16. I looked at it this morning because I realized this morning that I forgot. Uh, chapter 16, I believe. And it's connected to the idea of temple. How much time do we have? <laughs> I, can, uh, I can maybe check that. Yeah. Uh, so in chapter 16, this is verse... Uh, verse 17, and it's also another part. Read all of 16. It's pretty good. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely uh, chapter 17 there talks about the, the voice and all this stuff coming from the temple where this last bowl is being poured out. Uh, oh, and it's, it's verse 1 as well. So all this stuff is happening from the temple here when we get done with the when we get done with the trumpets here it is the end of chapter 11 uh, and this is all happening uh, it's after the seventh trumpet is blown that God's temple in heaven was opened that's chapter 11 verse 19 so there's all this stuff that's happening after the seventh trumpet at the temple of God or around the temple of God and all this. The point of all of that is to say, and I'll maybe fix this uh, because I didn't give you a folder, so these are just going to get lost. Uh, so when I make the new one, uh, I'll put those verses on there. Uh, but the point of all of that is to say, it was, it was described like this in, in one of the things that I uh, studied in connection with this, 
uh, that those three sevens kind of serve as like uh, Russian nesting dolls. Uh, there's you open one and here comes the next seven, the end of that seven's the next seven. Uh, but they all end in a very similar way as well. So they, they are connected in that way. Uh, they, they all conclude with this final judgment uh, sort of idea. We'll talk more about those as we get to them. Uh, but that depicts this idea of a singular, coherent kind of vision taking place here. Uh, revelation, not revelations, but uh, so I, here's, what, here's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to be really offended that I brought all this stuff up. It's like, man, he's picking on something that doesn't matter. Uh, I hope you understand why I brought it up. Two, the next time we read something out of Revelation, which is more relevant than you think, because we will probably do that at some point on a Sunday morning. Uh, somebody's going to say revelations and just look at me uh, when they do it. And I know that. Uh, so do it if you want, but I'm on to you already uh, before it happens. Okay, let's talk about the date of the writing. I know we're not getting super into the text this morning. We will a little bit here. Um, why are we talking about the date at all? Uh, because understanding the cultural context is important. You should do that with every book. Understand the cultural context. That's, that's why we discuss when do we think this was written. Uh, it helps us to understand when it's written in relation to other things. Uh, as far as the New Testament is concerned, helps us to understand a little bit of, uh, of uh, what is happening historically at that time. Uh, some books are a little easier than others to, to get to. Like... Uh, James, knowing that that book is written very, very early, helps us to understand why there is so much Jewish-specific illustration and terminology. Because he uses some he uses some Greek language that isn't used much later because we have better words later. But when we start incorporating the Gentiles, we want to use different words. Uh, but James is a book written primarily to Jewish people. And uh, seemingly something, probably the first thing written uh, when Christianity gets going. So it's a very early Christian book. Uh, that's important to know. You know, why isn't James dealing with these problems? Well, because they weren't, those problems didn't exist yet. Uh, he's writing to a bunch of Jewish new Christians that aren't quite sure how to live this thing out. And that's what he's dealing with. Romans is obviously very different, you know, and what it's trying to deal with. Or Corinthians or, or what have you. So that's why we're discussing it. It's not to give us something to do. Some of you are going to hate this conversation because it's boring and you don't care. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but it is important nonetheless, so we'll do it. Uh, when it comes to the date of the writing of Revelation, uh, there is a lot of debate. There's, there's like four categories that typically get debated if you were to look up a book or just a debate video about uh, the dating of Revelation. You end up with like four positions that people typically take. Uh, but the two major categories are early date or late date. This is the top of page three where I explain all that stuff. Those of you that don't find this stuff boring, <clears throat> I imagine we'll have some conversation about all this, so it should be fun. This is one of those places where those that have studied Revelation are like, this is when I think it was written. Like there, There's an opinion on that, which is great. Opinions welcome. We'll talk about it. Uh, early date is this, that Revelation is written somewhere around like 80, 68, or 69 during Nero's reign depicts the fall of the Temple of Jerusalem. Like that's, that's the big 
point that some of the images are, are pointing to. Because there is a present context for this, and it's also talking about, obviously, future stuff, heaven stuff, uh, the end and all of that. Uh, but there is some context for those people at that time. Uh, then you also have the late date discussion. Uh, the Revelation is written somewhere closer to like 80, 90 to 100, somewhere in there. That's during Domitian's reign, still Roman Empire, still Roman Empire for a long time. Uh, but it's depicting the fall of, of Rome, not the temple. Um, so that's going to shift some of these ideas. We will close this conversation off. I have, what, 10 minutes? Okay. Uh, we, will, we will come to some kind of conclusion with this, but uh, we'll lay some stuff out here. Okay, in defense of the early date. Some ideas. Uh, a temple exists in the description of Revelation 11, which doesn't. <laughs> Symbol or real? Uh, that's, that's the question. Uh, it sounds like a reference to the temple of, of God in Jerusalem. The phrase holy city is used. That's an Old Testament phrase. Uh, reference is made to the place where their Lord was crucified, which we know happened. That's a real thing that happened in a real place and all of this. But are we talking about a real physical location to communicate an idea? Like, is the, is the real place an illustration for something that's coming? Or is that the point of the text there? That's the discussion. Um, since the Temple of Jerusalem is destroyed in AD 70, this would point towards an early date. If it's talking about the coming destruction of uh, this temple and the holy city, then we're dealing with something early, uh, not late. Uh, another argument here, Revelation deals with seeming tension between Jews and Christians. Those are in the letters there. Uh, tension that can be argued was less of a problem after the destruction uh, of the temple. When the temple gets destroyed, the whole Jew-Gentile thing, it's not that it doesn't exist, it just becomes different. Uh, it becomes very different um, historically, because then you have Jews that end up breaking into their own camps of we miss the Messiah or the Messiah is not, or we're just Jewish in cultural practice, uh, but not really anticipating anything, uh, which, I mean, you have a lot of Jewish people today that are Old Testament practicing, but don't have this, uh, they're, they're not waiting for the Messiah. That's not like anything that we read within the old, the, the old and New Testament. They're always anticipating the Messiah while they broke off into different Jewish groups the same way that there's you know, other Christian groups and things like that. Uh, so if this is uh, after the temple's destroyed, a lot of that stuff happens. So there's not really tension between Jews and Gentiles as much as there is between Christians and everybody else. Um, so that's an argument. Some will argue that Revelation 17.10 speaks of five kings that have... We got number stuff here. Five kings that have fallen, one that is, and one who is coming. There's seven again. We're just setting up for seven. Uh, Nero is the sixth recognized emperor of Rome. Alternatively, others interpret this to be kingdoms. So they, they would say Nero is the one that is currently, which points to the early date. That's the argument. Uh, but others look at this and go, no, it's talking about kingdoms, not kings specifically, it's using the word kings to, as a metaphor for these various kingdoms, which puts Rome at number six, and so number seven is after that, um, which in our generation is, you know, 
Russia or China. That's typically the conversation that's had. Uh, but again, Revelation was not written to Americans. We'll get back. To, I will say that a lot, probably. Some of you will be upset with me. That's fine. Uh, some point to the phrasing at the end of the book uh, of the Revelation. This, for me, is the most compelling argument about the early day idea. Uh, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. We read that earlier, uh, but that's how this book ends. Uh, this is a reference back to Daniel. He is told twice at the end of his book to seal up the book until the time of the end. So Daniel is told, seal this stuff up. If you go through Daniel, and we did that uh, earlier this year in the Thursday class, you go through Daniel, the ending of the book is full of, the, the first half is very narrative with some dreams in there, and then the second half is extremely apocalyptic with a little bit of narrative. And the little bit of narrative is Daniel was hanging out in his house, and then, <laughs> and then things just went wild for him for a few chapters. That's the second half of Daniel. But he is told at the end, seal up these words. He says in a few places, I did not understand what in the world I just saw. He didn't quite say it like that, but that's what he's feeling. Uh, I have no idea what I just looked at. Please explain that to me. And he gets that somewhat explained to him, but he's also told, this is happening later, don't worry about it. It's not really for you, so don't worry about it. So this idea of sealing up the book is, this doesn't quite pertain to you all yet. It'll, it's about future stuff, stuff far enough in the future you can seal this up. Somebody will break that seal later to, to read those things when it becomes a little more relevant. Uh, the argument's compelling to me. Uh, when you realize that the events Daniel is discussing and dates, man, if you look up dates for this stuff, Ryan can check me on this maybe. I don't know if you just have these dates locked into your brain or not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, when I, when I was looking up specific dates, it was, well, some say here, or some say he, and it's like a wide range, like the cable guy coming, you know, I'll be somewhere between eight and five, and he shows up at seven uh, in the middle of dinner. You know, so you kind of get some of that. Uh, but the argument's compelling when you realize Daniel is talking about the Persian Empire that just came in, the, the Medo-Persian Empire, and they're going to fall to this next group, but they just came into power, uh, towards the end of Daniel's book, and he's being told, hey, the Greek thing is not something you need to worry about. Uh, some roughly like 200 years is what I have found in a number of places. It all depends. There's wars and stuff before all of that and whatever. Is that somewhat? I'm just laughing because I actually do have the dates written in a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That's divine revelation. <laughs> 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 Spoken to him. and or. So, uh, if this is so far away that Daniel needs to seal up the book, because it's not going to happen anytime soon, uh, why would John be told to not seal up the words if he's writing this about 80, 90 to 100, and at least from what I've seen in a lot of places, Rome falls somewhere around 476. Now, there's pieces falling and stuff before all of that. Uh, I'm trying to remember why they put it at that particular date, because it's not that Rome ceases to exist. It just stops being what it Western was. Rome and Empire is pretty well conquered. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. By the, the wandering tribes from Asia. Now, Eastern Roman Empire out of Constantinople goes on for a couple hundred more years. Was that Revelation or is that in your book? No, that's <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've got it. 
Yeah, that's right. That that's when that part of Rome falls, that's kind of this there's this determination. So if if that's further away than what Daniel was writing about, this is the argument. Uh, then why would John be told, don't seal this up because this stuff is near when Daniel is told, seal this up because it's not relevant to you right now because it's not happening for a while. So what happened to us when we're studying this 2,000 years later, yeah. whichever interpretation it is, what happens to the near, near concept when we are still under the final, the first age, and we're still worshiping as John would have talked about, uh, but we're still looking forward to it any time. Yeah. What happens? Well, we'll we'll conclude that. I'll get there. I'll get there. I've got five minutes, but I'll get there. (laughs) there. Uh, Some late date arguments here. Uh, Some saw Domitian as a second Nero. There's this legend that Nero would return after his death, and that was Domitian. And so... Uh, you have this beast with a mortal wound that was healed, and so they would say, ah, it's, you know, it's Nero again, which is Domitian. That's in chapter 13 of Revelation. So some point to that as the explanation of who's being discussed there. Uh, some argue that persecution wasn't really faced by churches in Asia Minor during Nero's reign, that it was more localized, though it could have been more localized in various places, you know. Uh, but under Domitian's reign, Christians are a problem. Uh, They're an enemy uh, of Rome, so uh, it's a little more widespread. Uh, Some argue that the churches during the reign of Nero were too young to be in spiritual decline, like Ephesus, Sardis, and Laodicea. Uh, This case is also made for a group called the Nicolaitans that are mentioned a couple times. They would say there wasn't enough time that has passed for a group to have an influence like that over a a couple different churches. That may be the case, but... I don't know, stuff, stuff can happen quick, too. So, uh, Anyway, th- these are just arguments for both sides and all of that. They can't both be correct. Uh, you also have several church fathers claiming that Domitian was emperor when John wrote Revelation, but the church fathers also say some weird stuff, too. So uh, <laughs> it's, some, it's not nothing, but it's not, it's not that they know it perfectly either. Here's the question. Does it matter? This is, this is where we wrap these things up. While the dating you choose will affect how you interpret some of these symbols, and we'll talk more about that as we go through the specific symbols, uh, either dating ultimately points to the same conclusion, the righteousness of God will bring to an end the unrighteousness of the world, that the chaos that sin has brought to the creation will be undone, that those who have aligned themselves to God will be brought into perfect relationship with him, and that all these events will be accomplished because of the cross of Jesus. Whichever way you take. That, that It may affect, well, I think it's this guy. No, I think it's that guy. Okay, but what is the end? What's the end of this? What is the conclusion of this? Uh, it's victory. It's victory through Jesus and what God is going to do. That God's promise and what he has planned is going to come to pass. Uh, and that's the point of the book, regardless of the date. Uh, the summary here, Revelation's ultimately a book that shows the triumph of God over evil. In its pages, we see the end of sin and its corruption by God through Jesus. We see creation reclaimed and peace achieved, like true peace achieved. We see the, the end of the work of God in Jesus and his church, the restoring of the world to an uncorrupted state. We see ourselves in the way God intended, his holy image bearers dwelling in the garden of God in full relationship with him. 
Revelation shows us not an end, but the end of the story, how we must live in the present, knowing how it will all end in the future. Uh, that's, that's, I, I want to go through these illustrations, give us the tools to say, how do we navigate this? How do we understand the writing of John in the context of the Bible? Because that is how he wrote this particular book. You may end up with more questions. I think that's great. I think that's a good thing to end up with more questions. What I want you to have is the ability to search answers for those questions. That's what we're going to do. So uh, there is a thought here, and then I've got one last thing. I just want to ask you a question um, with regard to context yeah. and, and um, genre, which yeah. I think are probably two of the most important aspects in interpreting it. Is it, is it, and I'm not a connoisseur of Revelation, but is it, um, is it true that apocalyptic literature exists to answer the question, what, what is happening to the suffering people, um, and, and, and what the, you know, what, what the outcome of that will be? I don't know if that's the purpose of it, but I think that's a good idea when you look at Revelations dealing with the suffering Christian, and most of the images are <laughs> the, the suffering people of God in exile that are being referenced to. So just this idea of suffering, but that will end, uh, and God will do this instead, is where most of these images come from. Okay. So seven churches in Asia... Yeah. Why that rather than the Western Roman? I don't know yet, but I will think about that. Uh, also, we're not going to talk about the seven churches in here very specifically. Sorry. Uh, we will probably preach on those, though, so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, there is take-home. I'd love for you to read Revelation 1. What passages in the Old and or New Testament provide similar descriptions of... Jesus. Just little, you don't have to do the homework to come into class. Just a little bit of study this week if you're interested. Thanks for being here. We're dismissed.